Thanks for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the podcast from Dream Queen's Medical Centre, Nottingham. This episode we'll be discussing heart murmurs. As ever, any and all information mentioned is correct at the time of recording. Any and all guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospital's NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. Hello everyone and welcome to Take Orally, uh, amazingly a non-COVID episode for once. Um, we are looking at heart murmurs today. I'm delighted that we're joined by Ruth Thau. Hello, Ruth. Hello, thank you for volunteering me. No worries, Ruth. Thank you for uh, accepting being volunteered. <laughs> uh, you are a senior ACP uh, in yeah. emergency medicine at uh, Queen's Medical Centre. Yes. And uh, heart murmurs for me, I don't know how they were for you, uh, this was one of my areas I really had to focus on as I was studying. Um, it's kind of bosky bread and butter to expect that you'd be maybe hearing a murmur and... Yeah, yeah. I think in particular, you know, as a, as a nurse and an ACP, this is like the, really you're going into the realm of a doctor. This is what a doctor does. So yeah, so I think this, it can definitely get a schism in your head. Cool. Um, we could focus all day on every type of murmur and everything. So we're going to look at four main murmurs today, aortic stenosis, aortic regurge, mitral stenosis, and mitral regurge. If yep. that's okay. Sounds good. Um, so shall we start first with what a heart murmur is? Have an idea of a definition. Yeah, so I, so the, as the non-expert. As the non-expert. Survival guide approach. <laughs> um, for me, a murmur essentially is be probably best defined as turbulent blood flow. And however you, you know, the, the underlying cause of that, um, I think it's turbulent blood flow, secondary to valve, secondary to, you know, flow, but there'll be some aberrancy there, but what you're hearing is blood flow. Just hearing that blood bouncing around instead exactly. of going in, in a in nice one way. Nice smooth direction it should cool. be going into. And you mentioned the non-expert thing because as we were discussing beforehand, there is a grading to murmurs, whereas one being like only the expert can hear it. Indeed, yeah. So one is your consultant tells you you can hear it and you go, okay. <laughs> Six uh, is you don't need um, a stethoscope to hear it. So it's clicking essentially as a metal heart valve. And then sort of between two and five is everything in between. Uh, so generally plump for three. <laughs> Excellent. Or read if they've had an echo before, have a look <laughs> at their report. Yeah, cool. that sounds very impressive. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is the, a survival guide really to kind of think about some of these murmurs in a, in a clinical context as well, um, um, in, in terms of their clinical presentation of, of the patient as well. Um, so which, where shall we start? Would you like to start with, shall we go alphabetically? Uh, or, yes. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, sure. Aortic stenosis? <laughs> yeah, sure. Sorry, aortic or R-O-P-Q-R. Oh, okay. Let's go with aortic stenosis no, anyway. No, aortic regurgitation. Let's go with let's yeah. go with we'll alphabetical and go with aortic regurg. Okay, <laughs> cool. So uh, aortic regurgitation is a uh, class as an early diastolic murmur. Um, so that means it should occur sort of after S2, before S1 in the cardiac cycle. Um, should hear it on the left sternal edge, classically radiates to the apex. And it, essentially this represents a backflow of uh, blood traveling through the aortic valve. Um, they classically describe it as a decrescendoing um, uh, echo echo, a decrescendoing murmur, 
Um, and so apparently, if you whisper the letter R out loud, this is kind of quite characteristic of the murmur. So kind of R. And I wonder how many people are currently whispering R uh, as they're listening to this. Um, so yeah, uh, confusingly, often has an, uh, an ejection systolic murmur attached to it as well, um, uh, which we'll go on to talk about in a, in a second. What would make your uh, aortic valve be sort of regurgitative then? What, what causes it? So obviously being sort of emergency focused, like the acute sort of side of things, you, kind of the key ones really to think in, in terms of an acute AR um, valvular pathology would be infective endocarditis um, or aortic dissection. Those would be the two that would sort of highlight high up in my head. Um, also kind of have in, in the background that aortic regurgitation can't just, it's not just an, an issue with the valve itself, it could be the, the aortic root that's the problem in the context of aortic dissection. And that leads you to think as well, you know, risk factors being sort of collagen vascular disorders, like Marfan's or yeah. what have you. So the classic one, I don't know how your exams were, but our uh, medical exams are very, um, shall we say, biased sometimes. Okay. So um, uh, a gay man comes to you with a cough it's PCP, right, you know, okay. it's that okay. kind of, a, a sailor comes to you uh, with a strange rash, it's syphilis. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I think most medics would agree with me, these are these exams. Uh, and so it was always a basketball player who is right. seven foot tall comes to you and you notice a murmur, what's the most likely murmur? Does he have a high arch palate? There you go, exactly. There we go. Okay, fine, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, good. Um, more classically though, it's, it's, a, it's more of a chronic uh, presentation. Uh, so I think rheumatic fever globally mm. is the leading cause um, with sort of complex depositions essentially on, on, the, on the valve uh, yeah. cusps. Uh, and uh, other than that, a bicuspid valve um, is kind of your cause, which mm. I think is obviously the leading congenital cause. I think it sort of typically is prominent around yeah. um, sort of age 40 and what have you. That's right. And, um if you're thinking about somebody who, say, has you know an, an injecting drug user with a fever, well, those, those yeah, you can't use. So you can, yeah, I think it's Duke's classification technically. Yeah, and it, it, that's for, for endocarditis. Yeah, yeah, that's further down the line. But I think from an A&E perspective, you've got in, in the acute context, you have an incredibly unwell patient in cardiogenic shock who you hear a new murmur in. They're an injecting IVDU with a new murmur. You, you'd, yeah. you'd be silly not to be saying, mm. could this be infective endocarditis? The murmurs are heard relatively early, you know, or, you know picked up clinically in, mm -hmm. with good practice. Echoes are done quite early on and, mm -hmm. and you know, disease pathology is not left for brilliant to develop. Absolutely. Well, as you said, I mean, rheumatoid fever luckily is a very rare thing now in, in, uh, in the UK. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, we talked there about a leaky aortic valve. Um, let's talk about one that's gone narrow, an aortic stenosis. Good, okay, yeah, so aortic stenosis, um, so it's defined as an ejection systolic murmur, so you should hear it soon after S1. Um, and then crescendoing and decrescendoing before S2 comes in. Um, quite musical, often it's described as a whoosh, um, uh, best heard over either the aortic valve area or the apex, and classically will radiate to the carotids, obviously, if you consider where the blood's traveling to, that would make sense. Um, obviously, left heart, so best heard in expiration, and leaning forward helps as well. 
Um, and obviously, as we've said, this represents turbulent blood flow, so coming out of the vessel through a really narrow, non-compliant valve. Um, can also be confused with the flow murmur, so you know, if you hear it also, it's reasonable to think hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, mm. obviously pulmonary stenosis as well, um, and generally any sort of increased cardiac output state, so, so a relatively young person with fever um, or, or severe anemia and with a, a corresponding high cardiac output state. They talk about listening for an ejection click, um, which would suggest, I think it's around the jugular notch, I think you actually listen for, um, suggesting bicuspid valve. So again, mm. if you've got a 40 year old who's sort of you know, coming in with you know history of exertional syncope, funny mm. old chest pains, you hear this kind of aortic stenosis, mm. ejection, systolic murmur, um, that's a reasonable sort of go-to mm. point. Yeah, so they're the ones who are going to be presenting that bit earlier than those who've got the degenerative. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, so classically, I think the age of presentation is somewhere, I think it's around your 40s to 50s, so something to look forward to. <laughs> and, uh, Cheers, mate. <laughs> and uh, so, the, I mean, the, the classic kind of over 50 syncope chest pain dyspnea, it, it, it only presents in around 30% of patients. Um, as a good rule of thumb, though, if, you've, if you hear an aortic stenosis murmur, um, and your patient's coming in with chest pain, there's sort of a, a good corresponding, I think something in the region of two thirds, likelihood that they've got critical stenosis going on. And I was always taught that aortic stenosis, you need to consider that this is not an isolated finding in a heart. There mm. will be, this is not a happy heart at the best of times. Cool, yeah. And there'll be underlying disease. Uh, as you talked about obviously congenital, and then you mentioned sort of the, the calcific senile mm. sort of degeneration, which I think is probably a leading cause overall, uh, in certainly in the UK. And so this is a, a we're talking about A and E, a, a collapsed patient, a patient like you say with chest pain, with shortness of breath, with features of heart failure. It's an important murmur to listen for. Absolutely, and it, I think this is probably the first murmur I, I managed to hear. Agreed. Same. Myself. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Not the first murmur I ever listened to, but the yeah. first one I identified. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and, and so the, the, the kind of really what you're looking at is is um, you're looking to find this murmur. So you should obviously be examining the patient, looking for pathology you suspect. So this is the sort of patient that presents with sort of typical left and ventricular outflow tract symptoms. So exertional dyspnea, exertional syncope, uh, importantly not post-exertional syncope, but exertional syncope. Um, and, and obviously as we talked about angina and chest pains. Um, and just having a high index of suspicion. And if you hear something there, then mm. you know, th th that, that is a good requirement for an echo. ECGs typically will show um, uh, a left LVH strain type pattern. Uh, if it's become severe, because that left ventricle's trying to overcome that yeah. narrowed uh, that narrowed um, valve, so it develops hypertrophy. Yeah, and, and this isn't a disease of acuity. This no. is something that compensates, 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 fails. Yeah, um, and, and and it's the exertion component where you start to see where the failure uh, kicks in. Cool. It's one of those. Um, it's that thing. Um, that caveat to always think about in, in patients with heart failure, if you're thinking about giving them a GTN or a vasodilator, if, yeah. if they are known to have aortic stenosis, so, to always have a to have a think about that. Yeah, and hope someone's given GTN before. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So there's there's definitely um, aortic stenosis just makes life a bit more tricky in terms of that management. I think in the context of active ongoing cardiac sounding chest pain, I think you just have to bite you know, hold your nerve and decide that probably is worth giving it to them and, and keeping a close eye on them. But, um, but on, on those sort of grounds, it's really it's case based. Yeah. And the reason for that is because they have this narrowed aortic valve, they are yeah, used to, a, they need that preload in order to even get open it. And if you give them a load of GTN, you Yeah, and, yeah. and remember, because it's left, 
ventricular atrial tract obstruction, actually, there's not much capacity. They've already got reduced outputs. Yeah. So, yeah, I, this was my one in my OSCE. I remember I was very pleased when it was aortic stenosis because it's probably the one I'm happiest in hearing and <laughs> yeah. most comfortable in identifying. So let's go over to the mitral valve now, and let's go to mitral regurge. Uh, yeah. So uh, mitral regurge um, is described uh, as a pan-systolic murmur, so occurring between S1 and S2. Um, <clears throat> and uh, classically is heard on the apex, uh, radiating in round into the axilla, um, and, and this represents backflow of the blood through your mitral valve um, during, obviously, systole. It um, can also be associated with a mid-systolic click um, if there's a prolapse, um, uh, but I think kind of if you hear this also you can be thinking um, VSD, essentially it's a pan-systolic murmur, so there's more than one cause, but commonly mitral regurgitation. Cool. And um, again, your, your connective tissue disorders, rheumatoid heart disease. Yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of all of the above, really. A anything that's going to dilate that annular ring, um, uh, yeah, and that could be LVH, so what they call like a secondary MR, um, so LVH causing that, or some, as you say, some form of collagen disorder. Rheumatic fever, I think, is still the leading primary yeah. cause. Um, and uh, probably globally, and then uh, degenerative, obviously, as well. I think it's worth talking about mitral regurgitation in the context of an AE acute setting. Yeah. Um, in so much as, again, endo, endo, infective endocarditis uh, yeah. is, a, is a key sort of, um, uh, you know, can deposit here and mm. give you this acute picture. Mm. Um, and uh, classically, or certainly one that my teaching was papillary muscle rupture. Yes. Yeah, secondary to MI. Yeah. Um, and these patients are dog sick. There's yeah. no other way about it. Yeah. Acute, you know, valve failure. Uh, acute mitral regurgitation. Sorry, um, this is a very, very unwell patient who's hello cardiology. You, well, yeah, and cardiac surgeons. Yeah, yeah. this is a patient who's lost. Uh, so it's only an acute phase. So it's different, slightly different when they have chronic, and so they've had a degree of LA compensation. But in the acute phase, where you've got a non-compliant, as in a normal LA, and then this suddenly this you know, backfilling of, of of blood going into the LA congesting the pulmonary bed, giving you acute cardiac pulmonary plus the corresponding fall in cardiac output. You have this patient who's just in horrible cardiogenic shock, and the yeah. only thing really that you've, you've got is to fix that valve. Mm. Absolutely. Um, <coughs> so yeah, capillary muscle rupture up there with Dresler's syndrome of those oh. weird and wonderful yeah. MI complications yeah, yeah, yeah. to know, but very rarely see them. Yes. Yeah. Cool. And again, that infective endocarditis. So again, I think like the the patients who are at risk, you injecting drug users of are, are always at the front of our mind. Yeah. But patients who obviously your dental work patients are the ones classically yeah, to, to yeah, mention. Yeah. Patients with non-native valves as well are at risk. Just yeah. to, to always have that in your back of your mind. And, and as well, remember a bit that as you say, non-native valves, prosthetic valves can also fail as well. Yeah. So, again, if you think that you're dealing, the presentation can be different because there's probably a degree of their LAs had time, had a degree of compensation to a chronic MR, but um, but yeah, but certainly, you know, anyone that's presenting cardiogenic shock with a valve, it's a, it's a bit of a, with a prosthetic valve, it's a, you, know, you need to be, there needs to be a strong reason why you're not questioning why that valve's not working.
and then on to a narrow mitral valve, so mitral yeah. stenosis. Mitral stenosis, I can't, I must conf confess, I, I can't really say that I've heard this all that regularly, to be mm. honest. Um, so this is a mid-diastolic murmur. Um, uh, and so it comes in so after S1 and preceding obviously S2. Um, it's in the apex, doesn't really radiate anywhere. And, and again, this is just flow of blood through a narrow valve. And what you're hearing is, is the jet of blood hitting the, um, the ventricle. Um, <clears throat> it can be obviously, uh, you can also hear an opening snap um, if you've got kind of quite stiff cusps. Um, I, I, the best way I got heard, uh, got told uh, about listening for this was, so firstly, this is the, the left lateral position, apex, using the bell um, of your stethoscope. And, and for your Oskies, consider that this is the kind of, this is how I'm listening for mitral stenosis. Um, but they talk as well about uh, listening for the absence of silence. So I think like kind of the analogy would be, you know, if you're in a pub, obviously pre-COVID, you can't do that now. Uh, you're on Zoom, let's say. Um, <laughs> but uh, but you can hear, um, you know, the conversation with the person in front of you. But then you can also filter that out and listen to the conversation going on behind you. Mm. And then you can. I find people to often do that to me when I'm yeah. in a pub with them. Sorry, what? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh, that joke could help. Um, but uh, but yeah, but, and and so kind of. Really good piece of advice to, to listen to, just listen to what you hear in clouds. Listen to S1 and really focus on an S1 and what abnormalities you can hear. Listen to S2 and then the third and the kind of the probably most useful is to listen for that absence of silence. So actually there's a point where you should be hearing nothing and if you're hearing something, because these are not easy things to pick up, if you're hearing something then actually, you know, go, go look at the echo report and see what it says. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And, um, Again, I've, I've got down for, for these guys, um, because they can have a degree of, sort of CO2 retention, they get like a malar flush, it's called, so yeah. a redness to their yeah. cheeks. Um, so yeah, so yeah, definitely malar flush. Um, I think you can get malar flush with tricuspid as well, um, uh, re regurg, I believe. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, risks really, uh, again, globally, um, it's uh, rheumatic fever. I think it's something ridiculous, like 99% of all cases are rheumatic fever. Um, uh, degenerative and senile, again, effective endocarditis, particularly if you think of that jet of blood causing a patch where um, you know, the, the bugs can sort of lay down and sort of like, uh, aggregate. Um, so effective endocarditis does flick and uh, come up into there in, in, in the right clinical context. Um, and I, I think it's associated autoimmune disorders as mm. well, so I think RA has a, a, an association Yeah, with and uh, mucopolysaccharidosis. Uh, it was, I was about to say that, if you had Of course you were, of course you were. It was on the tip of your tongue, room, I could tell. Uh, and a left atrial myxoma, which of course we've all seen oh, them, haven't we? We've all seen them. Yeah. The plop, I really want to hear a plop. If you, I think it's your duty as a clinician if you ever hear an atrial myxoma plop to make sure every other person on shift hears it too. <laughs> That patient is immediately being signed up for. <laughs> cool. Anything else, Rui? I think kind of the last thing really is just to be really, really focused that 
you know, I think it's, there's a very kind of flippant attitude nowadays of, oh, if you remember, just, just do an echo. And I yeah. think there's probably a, a degree where that's appropriate. But um, actually, you can get a lot of information from others, and particularly in the acute stage, it's all about clinical context. You know, mm. So a crescendo decrescendo murmur in one clinical context is not even going to investigate that further. Yeah. A crescendo decrescendo murmur in a different context is incredibly concerning. So I think, you know, in the context of a, an acutely unwell cardiogenic shock patient with murmurs, mm. you have need to be getting an echo, essentially. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you, hear a, if you hear an echo, if you hear a murmur, do an echo. Yeah, so, brilliant. Uh, any tips on for students who are have starting out cardio, um, cardiovascular examination on, on the best way to hear murmurs? So, yeah, so as we kind of indicated already during uh, the discussion, so the key thing is to know the timings of them um, and be able to, so the best way I was taught for timing um, was obviously listen for lub, listen for dub. When you think you've heard lub, uh, correspond it to a central pulse, so classically one carotid or um, a subclavian, subclavian artery. Um, but, uh, but, and then listen for um, uh, systole essentially, so you should feel a pulse on systole and there, thus if you hear a heart sound and you feel a pulse at the same time, by definition that is love. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we've talked about sight, and again we've indicated sort of various sights and radiations. Um, often, I, I, again I don't know about you, but the ejection systolic murmur, um, to me, I, when I hear it, it seems to be pretty much everywhere throughout the precordium. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, you know, generally, um, but, but essentially radiation is pretty key um, in terms of presentation and, and there's not much that radiates carotidly. So if you hear that, you can be fairly confident in what you're looking at. Uh, loudness we've already spoken about um, and we've kind of indicated occasionally on, on posture and, and respiration. So left heart's best heard in expiration. Uh, right heart you can enhance during inspiration or a Valsalva manoeuvre as well. And there's other, probably more than this podcast needs, but there's other sort of features, you know, Hockham will get louder with uh, Valsalva and what have you. Uh, and the last thing is not to be too tied up uh, and not to be too kind of, oh my God, if I miss this, the patient's going to die. And, you know, it, this is not stuff that is, um, will completely change your management. You know, if you've got a chap who's running for the bus and collapse and doesn't remember collapsing and wakes up on the floor, mm. whether you hear a murmur or not, that's cardiac syncope. Absolutely. So again, it's about history and taking a meaningful history, not agreed, collapse yeah. cause. Agreed. Oh, I've heard a murmur. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely agreed. And um, spot on. Cool. Any resources you know of so, signpost to? Yeah. It, so I, I'm probably showing my age, but I quite like books. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, books, children, are things made out of, <laughs> things made out of trees. <laughs> I'm sure you can nick them on Napster. Is that what they use? <laughs> Napster. Oh my god. The I, I, fact I didn't even know what Napster was. Oh, I feel so old. What do you mean was? Uh, so, so I would uh, yeah. imagine an app printed on a tree. That's a book. <laughs> so, uh, but, sorry. But yeah. Joking aside, I think McLeod yeah. is very good. Um, yeah, McLeod's the tiles, yeah. and he's Scottish or was um, Scottish. So that's a good one to look at. And um, Oxford Handbook of Physical Examination gives a very uh, concise um, way of looking at it um, and Davidson's I think as well is a really reliable useful resource that doesn't complicate matters too much and I think um, there there was an app when I was at med school there were apps when I was at med school that's amazing <laughs> shut up, uh, shut up uh, that had recordings of them um, 
there are those on YouTube as well. So for the blog for this episode, I will signpost to that where you can sure. listen and, and actually have a listen. And the, and, and the Twitter. And the Twitter. They'll be on the Twitter as well. <laughs> the Twitter and, and the Facebook. Uh, brilliant. And um, Rue very kindly has given me some a slide set which we'll put on the, the blog as well, which will go through some of the more mechanics and the, the physiology behind uh, the stuff we've been talking about. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Rue. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. That was the Take Orally Heart Murmurs episode. You can find a blog for this podcast containing resources on aortic and mitral murmurs at takeorally.com. We've also released separate podcasts containing just recordings of aortic and mitral murmurs for you to listen to. Remember, you can subscribe to Take Orally on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Take Orally is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you will find an infographic for this episode. For more information about research and education opportunities within emergency medicine, acute medicine, and major trauma, check out NUH Dream on both Facebook and Twitter.